The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we delve into the enigmatic depths of a lost civilization, a place of legend and lore, a place known as Atlantis. Our guest will share his riveting insights into visions of Atlantis, the title of his new book. In this captivating discussion, we embark on a journey through time, unearthing the ancient legacy of Atlantis. We explore the history of this lost civilization, its rediscovery, and the various visions and revelations associated with it. But this is not just a historical exploration. We are challenged to question our understanding of the past and the very fabric of our reality. This conversation is a testament to the human spirit's relentless pursuit of knowledge, even in the face of the unknown. It's a journey that takes us from the depths of the ocean to the heights of human imagination. We don't just learn about Atlantis. We are immersed in its mystery, its grandeur, and its tragedy. Our guide for this journey is Michael Liflem, a distinguished researcher, adjunct professor of history and philosophy, and a columnist for New Dawn magazine and kennedysandking.com. A scuba diver and guitarist, Leflem grew up in South Florida, attended the Harriet L. Wilkes Honors College and Florida State University, where he studied Western intellectual history and U.S. foreign policy. Prepare to be transported to a time of ancient wisdom and technological marvels, a time when humanity harnessed the power of the stars and the earth. Get ready to question what you know about our past and to dream of what our future could be. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. We're excited to announce the launch of our brand new Veritas Plus Insider, your source for exclusive news and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. And his latest book is titled The Visions of Atlantis, Reclaiming Our Lost Ancient Legacy. His website is michaelliflem.com. And directly from Monterey, Mexico, I'd like to welcome Michael Liflem. Hello, Michael, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm good. My pleasure. Well, I always ask the question, how does somebody like you get into researching Atlantis? <laughs> well, that's that's a good question. I I don't really know if I have a <clears throat> an easy answer for that. You know, I was a kind of traditional, you know, professor of history. Um, occasionally, I would teach ancient history survey courses. And so... You know, occasionally you will run across that story if you teach, say, Plato's dialogues like the Critias or Timaeus. But it's kind of strange. You know, one day I can't really explain how, but I almost just became you know, almost like a hypnotic suggestion, I think is the closest way to put it. Um, 
where I became almost obsessed with looking at this subject, you know, and I had always been interested in alternative views of the pyramids or extraterrestrials and things like that. But I had never given this topic much thought. And, you know, that kind of one day um, sitting in the park, just thinking about it led to really like a seven year investigation where I spent, you know, dozens of hours a week reading, researching, taking notes, and just for myself, never intending to, you know, ever publish a book on it. But by the end of the investigation, I thought, you know, this would make a great book and it would really add to the literature because I think what I've done is kind of bridge the traditional um, hard sciences like archaeology, anthropology, oceanography with clairvoyant sciences like clairaudience, channeling, remote viewing, and shown how, you know, despite being very different means to peer into the past to get a vision, they actually overlap and in many cases corroborate each other's um, views of the past. And so to my great surprise, um, I was really shocked to see how much of the things certain clairvoyants in history who were talking about this lost civilization, um, how many of those things were later supported, sometimes over a hundred years after their channelings with modern discoveries. And so, you know, that's why I called the book Visions of Atlantis, because <clears throat> it is literally, in some cases, clairvoyant visions of the past. But it's also kind of a study of how, you know, history is written, uh, how people in my profession sometimes distort history and sometimes bend uh, the narrative, depending on the times we live in and depending on certain, you know, political or social exigencies that might color an otherwise, you know, credible story and turn it into, say, a myth or a legend um, and things like that. So I was really just interested in kind of updating the the franchise, if you will, and bringing in the latest, you know, hard information and and trying to find some of the more obscure and overlooked clairvoyant evidence that was really compelling. And so that's what I tried to do. You use the word in the book a few times, rediscovery. What do you mean yes. when you say that? Well, you know, I mean, think about the Renaissance, you know, it means rebirth. Um, you know, in the early 1500s, you had people, you know, rediscovering, for example, the ancient legacy of the West. You know, you had Europeans rediscovering ancient Roman classics, ancient Greek classics. And I think in many ways, you know, people in the 19th and 20th century started to really rediscover this story from, you know, 360 BC, one of the most compelling accounts from Plato. People started to think, well, what, what really was he talking about? You know, and I think that really was the kind of rebirth of the topic um, was probably, you know, around the late 19th century with publication of, say, Ignatius Donnelly's book, The Antediluvian World, which, again, you know, I think a lot of people think that most researchers of this topic are, you know, uh, out in the desert doing peyote or something like that. But this was a sitting U.S. congressman who was best friends with Abraham Lincoln. And he studied Atlantis for most of his professional adult life and wrote a book that's still in print, one of the best books. 
for its time. And, you know, in that sense, I think that's what I mean. It's just, this is a story that's really never been um, fully solved because it was so long ago. You know, you're talking 12,000 years ago for the purported end of this civilization. And that's a hard number for people in my profession to wrap their minds around because we are supposed to believe that, you know, humanity was in a hunter gathering state globally at that time. So wherever you look, wherever you research and you probably found this out is that most people say this is allegory. This is just mm -hmm. fiction, a myth. But then again, there's, there's information out there that comes all the time. You, you have the Bimini road, you have the, you know, Western Cuba, What's in the middle of the yes. Atlantic, the, the, the Saharan desert, the eye of the Sahara. There's mm -hmm. more information out there. And whenever you ask anybody in academia, they don't want to go there. How do you reconcile being an academic <laughs> with all this? You're basically stepping outside the box and not, not that many people do that. Yeah, I guess I'm lucky because I'm only an adjunct. You know, I don't have an office with my name on it. I'm not tenure track, but I'm sure if I were, I would be denied tenure as many people have. Um, you know, look at Robert Schock, who was a tenured professor oh, yeah. in um, Boston University. And I mean, they tried to run him out of town when he said the Sphinx was actually right. 12,000 years old. Yeah. And uh, he was just doing his job using his own expertise. And, you know, look at what they did to Rupert Sheldrake, who's an Oxford PhD. They banned him from TED Talks because he said that morphogenetic fields are real and it contradicted their materialistic paradigm so i'm lucky because i'm kind of you know a uh, professor for hire you know so to speak so i don't have any stake in that sense but i was actually pleasantly surprised because i sent the book to all of my old um graduate school professors from 15 years ago and you know rather than you know making fun of me um and i even sent it to a, a professor emeritus from harvard That I, that I still had his contact. I met him at a party 20 years ago almost. And just to see. And they all actually were like, you know what? We've really never thought of it this way. Because what you did was you took it seriously. And, and you did it in such a way that, you know, th this is really difficult to just outright refute. Because we weren't aware that so many people, you know, philosophers, congressmen, uh, scientists, the people that discovered the mid-atlantic ridge for example said that we found atlantis you know um so it's interesting because i've never faced that kind of professional pushback but yeah naturally you're going to get um flack from people who are stuck in a kind of you know materialistic paradigm that you know itself is an ideology because you can review the work of you know dean radin at Stanford and the Noetics Institute or the Strategic Research Institute, SRI. And you see that clairvoyance and remote viewing are very valid scientific pursuits. They're just difficult to standardize and not a lot of people are, are accurate when they do it. But when you find people that can do it or you find people like Edgar Casey, who you know gave 14,000 readings and healed thousands of people with a 99% accuracy rate, um, Well, then you should pay attention when he starts talking incidentally about ancient Egypt or Atlantis or, you know, timelines and human catastrophe cycles, because a lot of what he said, I discovered absolutely does correlate with 
archaeological evidence, you know? And I think that was kind of why a lot of people have been very receptive of the book because they said, you know, I'm used to reading books that either debunk this subject or just show you kind of the science of like, let's say, megalithic architecture, but don't really engage with what the culture itself would have been like on the ground level because we only have a handful of accounts and they're quite, you know, vague when it comes to day-to-day life. And so through these clairvoyant visions from Frederick Spencer Oliver, Edgar Casey, Barbara Han Clough, and other people, I was able to really kind of zoom in on a kind of 2020 level and, and really try to piece together, you know, what would it be like to live in, let's say, 11,000 BC on the Atlantean capital city. Um, and I, I know that sounds strange, perhaps to your viewers, but I would suggest you read those chapters because it's very difficult to explain some of the things these channelers said if they were creating a fiction, you know? I'm honored that a lot of those names that you mentioned have gone through our program and, you know, Dr. Robert Schock, uh, Barbara Hank Clow, uh, mm. Rupert Sheldrake, he and I are in communication still. Hopefully wow. that's going to happen in the future. But many people that step outside, they're criticized. And some people say, follow the science, follow the science. <laughs> well, I'm following the science, but it seems that instead of following the science, they follow the scientist. And I hate to, to say that but a lot of them are bought and paid for by the grants that are given to those institutions. And I'm not saying all of them, but, you know, a, a name comes to mind, a good friend of this program, Dr. Claude Swanson, who recently passed away, a MIT-trained scientist who wrote two books, The Science of the Paranormal. And he started this with, you know, in all seriousness. So you read his books and some of these others, and you think, why is an academia... It's not a, they have to take it seriously, but why haven't they adopted some kind of a mechanism to look into these things? I mean, even I disagree with Dr. Shock on this. He says the Yanaguni is a natural formation. I, I don't think so. I've had Graham Hancock on the show. He's that's really he's strange. dived he's and you're that. a scuba diver. So, yeah, you that's know, really, Robert Shock says that's a natural. Really? He, he told really me surprising, man. He that's told me really it's a, surprising. And I, I asked him, where in nature do you see these lines that, that go, you know, straight and then 90 degrees to the left no. and back? And uh, I was surprised when wow. he said that to me. Wow. That's very interesting. Um, that's very interesting. As a diver, uh, last, what do you yeah, say? I mean, as a diver, if I encountered Yona Guni, I mean, having dived for 20 years, I've never in my life encountered a reef or a cliff or any kind of underwater structure that resembles that structure. I mean, it's so obvious when you see the pictures from say Graham Hancock's book underworld, that yeah. he's not diving on a reef or a seamount or something like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it reminds me just of, you know, even within, let's say the quote unquote, and I don't even like this word, you know, because language is very big part of this whole misunderstanding but the let's say alternative archaeology field you know there's a huge spectrum of people you know there's people who think um let's say the sphinx is older than the official which there is none but let's say the accepted date but it couldn't be twelve thousand bc you know where the pyramids perhaps were not built by khufu but there is no way people from atlantis built them in ten thousand five hundred bc like Edgar casey said 
Um, so it's interesting because I was really just a neutral observer, honest to God. I, I did not go into this trying to prove or disprove. And I think that's why the tone of the book, most of my readers have said, you know, in their reviews that that's the main thing they took away with. You really did go above and beyond in your attempt to be neutral. You know, when you see things that look like a match, you talk about it. When you see other things that don't really look like a good match, you, you, you're not afraid to say like, yeah, you know, this, this is hard to explain. And we don't have evidence of this thing. Casey said, yet, you know, or other people, but it's, it's been interesting because I really just wanted to show, you know, I wanted to write a book that was, you know, accessible for a person who has never read one book on Atlantis or a person who like myself has read hundreds, you know, or yourself, that there's always something to get from it because a big part of this was sifting through thousands of obscure clairvoyant channelings and basically storyboarding things that people had not done yet and showing how quite to our surprise, they really do overlap. And these people were never communicating with each other, which to me, lends credibility to the idea that they were channeling a truth. And, you know, like in the case of Edgar Casey, when he said in 1932, just offhand, he's giving a reading and he says, you know, the Sahara desert thousands of years ago used to be a fertile grassland, marshland with an extensive river system. And in fact, that river system began where the Nile begins now. And it emptied into the Atlantic ocean on the Congo end of the country. Now, he said that in 1932. No one suspected that. Until 1986, space shuttle imaging radar penetrated six feet below that area, just offhand, not trying to corroborate. They were just doing their own survey and indeed found that what he said was true. You know, and you start adding these kinds of things up and it becomes really strange because it, it does seem to me now from having studied it for eight years that his version of what happened and when regarding Atlantis actually is probably a correct and accurate historical account that has just been completely lost because we're talking a civilization that was destroyed almost entirely with remnant populations surviving in Egypt, the Pyrenees Mountains and the Yucatan 12,000 years ago which is an incalculably long amount of time for the average person to wrap their mind around. Well, I'm looking at maps that are only a few hundred years old that mm -hmm. compare the, the recent map of the Sahara Desert. It's completely bare. There's nothing there. But mm -hmm. just a few hundred years ago, I see maps that show cities with multiple rivers going everywhere with animals and civilizations in that part of the world. And then you think of... I go to Granada all the time. And in fact, I'm going to be there next week because I love that area. And nice. it always impresses me that they always talk about the Moors, the Moors, the Moors, but there's not that much information lately about that. And the amount of knowledge they brought to Southern Spain and where did they come mm -hmm. from? Morocco, Morocco didn't just, it's just not that part of the world. If you look at all that Northern Africa part that was populated it's in the past. Very interesting. The question is what happened? What caused the, the Saharan desert to, to be what it is today. Right. No. And you know, that's a, that's a sub chapter in um, part five of the book um, fragments of Atlantis, where, you know, I take a kind of 
blunt, direct quote from Edgar Casey when. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.